It was the best of times. It was the blast of times. How have dogs built all this infrastructure if cats are the ones with opposable thumbs? And now I'm going to take over the world. I hate it. I think, I think it's awful. My dog-faced opponents. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 13, unlucky for some, of Cursed or Blessed. This is Mr. Tinkles, <laughs> your superior. We watched another cat movie. Cats and cats and only cats. From 2001, starring Jeff Goldblum. I'll be your compare for the show. I'm now going to hand you over to our guests, cat lovers, Shannon and Elise. Well, hi, Shannon. Thank you for the introduction, Mr. Tinkles. Hi, Elise. Um, I'd like to qualify that I'm not a cat lover. Uh, watch it, because our compare will hear that and uh, yeah. be quite disoriented. I know, I know. I'm very allergic to cats, and every cat movie we've watched for Cursed or Blurst has only solidified that, that I'm yeah. allergic in body and spirit to cats. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to mention right off the bat. We have watched, this is our third Cats movie. Yeah. After The Cat in the Hat, maybe the scariest thing I've watched for this series. Yeah. Then Cats, which may have been one of the scariest things you've watched. I was okay with it. Yeah, I had a really hard time during Cats. Now we've moved on to Cats and Dogs. The 2001 children's classic. Yes. Are we sure the early 2000s happened? Did everyone just slip into an alternate dimension for a couple of years? I, that's the only way to explain <laughs> the content that's come out of that era. <laughs> things I thought were okay are not that okay. Yeah. And yet I watch things from the late 90s and it's like, alright, yeah, classy. Yeah. I... I don't know how to describe this movie except as deeply early 2000s. I agree. <laughs> I think we both became a lot more uncomfortable as the evening went. I didn't expect that to be the case. I'm right now clutching my head, like, pulling my- not pulling my hair out, just contorting my hair into vague shapes. I'm- I, was I think I'm stressed. I was slowly sliding off of my chair during the end of the movie. Yeah. Bear in mind that we literally just turned off the movie, and both of us looked at each other and said, what is the plot of that movie? So be patient with this summary. Be patient, be kind. We've only had a beer and a half each, if that. Yeah. So you can't blame that on this. And I know we probably sound like we've been doing tequila shots for three yeah, hours. Yeah, at the peak of our sobriety. But I don't... Something's happened. Uh, so the movie is about a group of cats trying to take over the world. And a group of dogs... Or the cats are trying to take over the world by making humans all allergic to dogs. Yeah. The dogs are trying to stop the cats by protecting a scientist, played by Jeff Goldblum. The only good thing about the this film. The only good thing about our lives this evening. Um, 
Jeff Goldblum is trying to cure dog allergies in humans. So the dogs are trying to protect him so the dogs can get an advantage in being man's best friend, I guess. Yeah. They kept saying that. And then the cats are trying to steal his research so they can switch the formula to a dog making people allergic instead of curing allergies. Yes. They, they have a whole plan where they've uh, employed, I think, thousands of mice to infect with, like, the anti-dog allergy, the dog allergy disease that they've created. And then the mice are meant to just be deployed onto every continent and spread this disease through the whole world. So that's, like, the mechanics of their plot. plot. That's all I can say for certain about this movie. I mean, that's the kind of behind-the-scenes plot, too. We're talking about, like, there's characters... Theoretically, there's characters in this. There's Jeff Goldblum, a dog voiced by Alec Baldwin, and a cat voiced by Sean Hayes. Yeah. And that's all I, all I know. Okay, well the protagonist of this movie is right. Lou. Right. Toby Maguire dog. The Toby Maguire dog, who is a little beagle puppy who was raised on a farm and had dreams of escaping to the outside world. I want to be where the people are, he sings. Which is really strange because that's also a song from The Little Mermaid. Yeah. You'd think Disney would have been on that. He would. It's it's really bizarre. And it's also the only musical number in this whole thing, mm-hmm. which is otherwise song-free. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he, he sings part of this world and ends up being selected to be taken home as a pet by the family of the scientist. Uh, and then gets contacted by dog spies. The dog UN. Who want him to protect the scientist from evil cats. And all cats are evil. Yeah, all the cats are just straight up villains. The thing about cats is that they've got no choice but to be evil. Mm-hmm. They, they just all are. Cats, in one period of history, in ancient Egypt... <laughs> This is a bit that's like, Alec Baldwin dog is explaining to Toby Maguire dog <laughs> that <laughs> the cats. <laughs> this movie rewrites history and not for the better. That <laughs> um, the cats in ancient Egypt compl- had complete control over humans. They were not just worshipped by humans, they, they just controlled them. And it was the cats that did all the slavery in ancient Egypt. Yeah. Fully just cats. It was the cats that did the slavery. And then dogs rose up and defeated them, and now they have to keep the cats down and stop them every once in a while from trying to destroy the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is not happening on planet Earth. We can establish that for sure. Yeah, for absolute certain. For one, Dog UN is situated at the center of the Earth. Yeah. They take little shuttles that go through the Earth to get to the core where the Earth, where Dog UN is. Yeah. That that can't happen on this planet. No. So this is an alien planet where dogs not having opposable thumbs does not stop them from building technology. And it was cats that did all the world evils, like slavery and war crimes, not humans. Yeah. Humans and dogs did nothing wrong. Yeah. Can I just say... Yeah, you may. That dogs can be trained by the army to do things. Dogs have been trained to do stuff by humans. Yeah. You can't... Get cats to do crimes for you. 
Cats only do crimes. Cats. cats only do crimes of their own volition. Of their own volition. They don't do war crimes, though, do they? No. Cats are like petty thieves. <laughs> yeah. They're not hurting anyone. Unless you're McCavity the mystery cat. And then he's only hurting other cats. Yeah. So really, I mean, I don't want to bias this. I do like both cats and dogs. I do as well. But I don't like the way that they've rewritten his... I remember, okay, so I got this movie on DVD for my dad uh, back in 2001. And it had me on edge the whole time because I thought, all cats and dogs, what, what a premise, what a premise. I hope the cats win because I had owned a cat at the time. And they didn't. They were just evil. And it just set me on... It's had a lot of sour taste in my mouth. I remember watching this movie as a kid, and for context, I'm very, very allergic to fur. Like, I can't actually be in the same room as a cat for much longer than an hour, or I just can't breathe. Um, And dogs, I'm also allergic to some of them, but not as badly. But I remember vaguely, as soon as they mentioned it, the memory came back to me. Memories, all alone in the moonlight. I can smile at the old days. (laughs) I thought you were going to say something and I was just going to interrupt you by saying more of the lyrics, but you are also on board. Yeah. (laughs) I was just trying to remember what the next line was. I was beautiful Beautiful then. (laughs) Cats did war crimes and masterminded building the pyramids. Do you remember how you were like, one of uh, these episodes, I won't sing. Do you remember when you said that um, earlier today? I wasn't saying that, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't an aspiration of mine. I said it might happen. You know what else might happen? The world might end tonight. Is it likely to? No. It might. It's true. Hopefully it does. So I don't have to think about this stupid movie anymore. Anyway, what I was saying was... <laughs> As a kid, I liked the idea of a vaccine for allergies because it really upset me that I was allergic to dogs and cats because there were a lot of friends' houses I couldn't go over to. Yeah. So I just can't be in the house, even if the dog or the cat is in a different room. So I remember liking that. But honestly, I'm happy with being allergic to all the animals in this movie. I would like to stay far away from them. Yeah, not one of these animals I would like to hug and kiss. None of them. Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) Is he not an animal? We're all just... Am I not an animal? Are you not an animal? Yes, but we're just not animatronic animals, so that's good. Now is as good a time as any to mention the uh, early 2000s animation. We didn't even get through the plot. We did. I was talking about Toby Maguire, dog. Yeah. We did, and you said, like, he wants... What about his emotional arc? If you can remember his emotional arc, go for it. Tobey Maguire dog dreams of a new life to see the world. He's brought into a new house and he, he finally found a loving family. But he's rejected by the kid, Scotty. You remember the kid's name? Yep, Scotty. Um, this is because Scotty's previous dog has been kidnapped and killed because he never shows up again by the cat. Yeah. The, uh, the previous dog who was an agent there to protect the family. And has, therefore the vaccine. Yeah, has been taken away and killed. Yeah, so he's now the new dog. The kid is annoyed because it's not a suitable replacement for his old friend, the dead dog. So decides to call Toby Maguire dog loser, but that gets shortened to Lou. Sad times. 
And then he gets brought into the fold with Alec Baldwin dog and a series of other horrible looking dogs, becomes an, a secret agent, and he's torn between his obligations as an agent and also as a sweet family pet. And sometimes he spends too much time doing one thing, sometimes the other, and he doesn't know how to live his life. He meets Alec Baldwin's dog's side chick, who is called... Ivy. Uh, is she? Yes. Yep. Voiced by Susan Sarandon, but, the, and is the only female animal in this entire movie. Yep. Yeah, so he meets Lady Dog, and um, Lady Dog's a tramp. That's funny. She's a, she's a stray dog. Yeah. the tramp and she says oh uh, yeah Alec Baldwin dog and I used to have sex and he's got a bad temper but really you can trust him um, but he's giving Toby Maguire dog a really hard time and he gets kind of shunned after making a, a, a fool of himself in doggy when at the centre of the earth and then somehow off screen gets kidnapped by the cats no no, before the is his family's been kidnapped by the cats. Yeah, but he ends up showing. Um, yes, and long story short, that somehow in this bit that neither of us are fully paying attention to, he lets the cats take the vaccine, which allows them to create the anti-vaccine. What What happened was the the family gets kidnapped by the cats yeah, and held hostage, that. and they. The reason he makes a scene at Dog UN is because the cats send a ransom video to be like, bring us all the materials for the vaccine. Shannon, you were the one that dared me to remember the plot of Toby Maguire Dog. And I don't remember. This is the plot of the movie, not his emotional arc. This okay. is, and the Dog UN says, no, we're not going to give up the vaccine to the cats. And Toby Maguire Dog is like, I do what I want, and puts all the vaccine and all of the, the notes in a wagon and, like, pulls it to the meeting point, and then the cats show up, and they take it, and they oh. don't give him the family back. And then he has to go talk to Butch, who is um, Alec Baldwin dog, and be like, my family has been captured, and also I gave up the, va the vaccine. Please help. Yes. Okay. I blocked that from my memory, and it's because I was too affected by his emotional arc. So at this point... <laughs> At one point, Alec Baldwin dog promises him that as an agent he can travel the world um, <laughs> by visiting Myanmar and Denmark. And dog's like, I used to want to travel the world, but now I have a family. What do I do? And it's gotta gets me. Yep. And then at the end of the day, when the dogs save the world, I guess Toby Maguire retires. Yeah, he does. He just retires. Because he's a, a family pet now. Yep. And it's it's really it's very subtle. It's very nuanced. Oh, terribly. The nuance, the nuance in this. Can we talk about the animation now? Yeah, because it's awful. <laughs> this is part of a genre of early two thousands films that I hate, where they have real animals and then they have voice actors voicing each of the animals and then they animate their little animal faces to move with the words. And it's not they've animated the whole dog, it's just, like, the mouth and the eyes, and it looks terrifying. And it's not terrifying all the time, but when it is, it's really bad. Yeah. Uh, 
the cats, I think, are a little bit worse than the dogs on balance because the cats are doing a lot more unnatural movements than the dogs. Yeah. And I think it's because that they were able to just train the dogs to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Like roll over or yeah. jump well, up. With or... the dogs, you can kind of see that a lot of the dog action scenes are very sort of, sort of weirdly cut and very quick. They've been fast forward. And it's clear that in those situations, they've gotten the dog to, they've trained the dog to do a particular action, like roll across the road or run in a zigzag, collecting things. And then they sped it up to make it look like the dogs are doing it more deliberately. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that with cats because they're free agents. Yeah. They have their own minds. The dogs, the dog movement looks really jerky. And I think it is because it's just film shot regularly sped up. Not, yeah. film, not film shot to be double speed. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not by any means schooled on the technical aspects of mm-hmm. it, but it you can shoot something to show up double speed or yeah. slow motion, or you can shoot it regularly and then slow it down or speed it up in post, and I think they've sped it up in post. Yeah. Um, anyone who's more schooled in technical film than me can correct me on this, but regardless of how they did it, it looks terrible. Yeah, they definitely have sped it up. It just looks like those old footages you've got from, like, Eoli times, and it's people moving very quickly and jaggedy. It's, jer- yeah, it's very jerky and, and startling every time. It's a time. bit like, you know, like, this is old footage from the uh, 1900s, and we're filming the street, and everyone's walking forward very purposefully, everyone's got a briefcase, and there's a horse just sprinting down the road. <laughs> That's normal, everything was a bit more fast in the past. <laughs> it's like that, but with dogs. With dogs just moving around. So the the cats do like more complicated motions, but the the animation technology of the early two thousands is not ready for what they're trying to do. With... And we've seen Cats the Musical two thousand nineteen, and it's still not ready. Yeah, <laughs> just like stop. Just make an animated film, dear God. Yeah. Like, Make a fully animated film if you want talking animals. It's fine. Yeah. Just do that. We're not too far off in this period of time from Shrek 2's Puss in Boots. Yeah. Who was very cute. Very adorable and not weird looking. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah. Or the Aristocats. Those were cute. Yeah. Just why is that a bad thing? Stop trying to make real animals look... Like, they can talk, or to make people look like real animals. No! And this was funny going in, because I don't technically have a problem with animatronic or, like, slightly CGI'd live-action animals talking. But you have a whole thing. Like, even though I've told you it's charming, you're weird about watching Babe. Yeah, because the animals talk and they they make their mouths move. I hate it. (laughs) I think... I think it's awful. Just make an animated movie. That's that's allowed. You look so deadly serious. <laughs> it's legal to make an animated film. You can do it. <laughs> I just like think of the I know Think of the children. Think of the children. Think about me as a child. Maybe this movie is the reason I have this deep seated hatred of the mouth movement thing. Maybe. Cause I did watch the uh, this came out when I was six, so... This feels like therapy. I feel like we're really getting to the root of the problem here. <laughs> this, this is my childhood trauma. What? Why? Because you, 
you've got to do all sorts of animation work anyway. And then you also have to train a bunch of dogs. Yeah. So, and, like, that's the sort of, the joke in film is never work with kids or animals. Yeah. Fucking just animate them then. Yeah. Then you don't have to work with the animals. Yeah. And you can still get Jeff Goldblum to do the voice of the scientist. Mm -hmm. And you can still get Alec Baldwin to do the voice of the dog. And, but it, it can not look like a nightmare and it's it's jarring in the action sequences when you can see it's like clearly just an actual dog running around a bit like sped up but still a dog and then you've got a cat that is moving its limbs in ways that cat should not move its limbs mm-hmm. like the cats are fully bipedal yeah when they want to be yeah in this movie they can punch they have opposable thumbs the opposable thumbs is very jarring they whenever they show up. Yeah, because in, okay, if in this universe cats had opposable thumbs, then why are cats not in charge? Yeah. How have dogs built all this infrastructure if cats are the ones with opposable thumbs? Yeah, because the dogs have a lot of infrastructure, you're right, and a lot of tech. And then the cats don't seem to. They're all, like, squatting in this gothic mansion. Yeah, we don't seem to have a cat UN. This seems to be a one-cat operation. Mr. Tinkles is the name of the villain. Um, Do you want to talk about Mr. Tinkles? I have some things to say about Mr. Tinkles. Let's talk about Mr. Tinkles. I feel as though we have, like, slightly different stances on Mr. Tinkles. Mr. Tinkles is a fluffy white cat um, who looks like uh, my cousin's old cat Tinker, who I was super, super allergic to because she had very, very long hair and it got everywhere. It looks Um, like a regular cat if you threw it against the wall. Yeah. Um, Long, puffy, white hair and like almost a little mustache looking thing. Yeah. Um, It looks quite cute when the few moments that it's a real cat and not an animated cat. Yeah. And Mr. Tinkles is owned by the the owner of a Christmas tree company who is in a coma. So all of these cats are like squatting in the mansion. With Mr. Tinkles and the nurse of the old man. Yep. Who dresses Mr. Tinkles up in, in little outfits. Which yeah. is the source of, of much comedy in the film. <laughs> um, my, my thoughts are that when he's moving and talking, he's one of the most horrifying animated pieces in the movie. He's really, really creepy looking. Yeah. And the way he moves is very strange. Um, that being said, he is the most entertaining character. He says some fun stuff. His accent is wild. (laughs) Because at one point we were having a debate, you, I think, thought he was British. Mm -hmm. But to me, he sounds a bit like Fraser and Niles Crane. Which, I think you're right. After you said that. Yeah. And I was listening for it. But I don't think the voice acting is always true to that intention. Because sometimes he sounds Scottish and sometimes he sounds Italian. (laughs) Most of the time he sounds like this, Mr. Tinkles, and I'm going to take over the world. (laughs) (laughs) The puppy must be destroyed. Deploy the ninjas. That's a direct quote. (laughs) Shall we talk about the ninjas? Yeah, I think we have to. Not just the ninjas, there's various, there's various... Racist bits. It's like full on racist bits. The ninjas are the most egregious of yeah. the racist bits, but there are multiple. The ninjas are these cats who are 
kamikaze pilots. Yeah. With really, really horrible, fake, like, Japanese accents, it sounds like. It sounds like that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's... It's not good. It does feel... It's got the same energy as, like, the Siamese cat song from The Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. Uh, where you're watching it thinking, like, why is this happening? Yeah. Surely someone knows better than to write this. You think so. And yet. And yet. Oh. <laughs> like, start to finish, it was awful. Yeah. And, like, the soundtrack would be... I know this is towards the end of the fight. They'd sort of, like, add sort of little... Oh, I don't know how to describe it. Basically, it sounds that, like, were in the Siamese cat song... Yeah. Basically were put into the action fighting oh, soundtrack. God. And I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. The, the same comedy is <laughs> repeated when they deploy a Russian cat later on into the household yeah. to, to mess things up. This is a Russian blue cat by breed and is a Russian agent who is complaining about the quality of American products, which mm-hmm. fair. And it's not, like, as over, but it's still, like, come on. Yeah, it's still... <laughs> um, there's something similar in the, like, dog UN scene where there's, um, like, all the, the dogs from dog UN are, like, breeds from different parts of the world. And there's one that's from China. And, and there's then there's one from... There's, like, a German there's, shepherd. Yeah. Uh, and the accents are all, like... Ah, yeah. That that just every time you're like, "What? Don't do this." Is yeah. the only thing that goes through yeah, your head. Yeah, they pan to a dog, and they'll show you what country it's representing, and you're like, "Please don't have that dog talk." Yep, and then they do. <laughs> and even though we're making it sound like the dog democracy is diverse, let's just stress that all of the dog heroes are Americans. Yeah. Whereas only one of the cats is American, and even still, and we're not clear on that, he could be English. Yeah. Yeah, all of the cats seem to be from elsewhere. Yeah. The movie takes place in America. And a different Earth. Yeah. yeah. Alternate America. But, but the dogs are like, true American dogs. Mm-hmm. Protecting humanity. <laughs> are you laughing at my dog accent? <laughs> this is my dog, cats and dogs persona. I am, uh, what do I want to be? Uh, what kind of dog should I be? Uh, well, I'm blonde, so a golden retriever. And, <laughs> and I do all the hacking. I love freedom and, uh, baseball. And I, uh, I, I shoot cats because dogs roll. That, okay, this character could be a character from Cats and Dogs. It sounds like I'm taking the piss. But it, it is very accurate. It's super accurate. Dogs um, rule is the closest thing this movie gets to having a motif. They, um, yeah. They say it all the time. And and you, you watch it, and you see at the beginning, like, Tobey Maguire dog has just been inducted as an agent. Mm-hmm. He's very excited about that. He keeps on saying dogs rule, cats suck, ah, uh, this kitty's up to no good, that kind of thing. And you're thinking, I see... They're setting the scenes for this dog to eventually have a realisation that sometimes dogs do not always rule. Mm-hmm. But that, no one rules. 
That never happens. No one rules. No one rules. There was no one to root for. No. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. I wasn't really, like, rooting for him as a scientist, just rooting for Jeff Goldblum the person. (laughs) Yeah. Jeff Goldblum is a professor, which very much suggests that he works with a university. He is a pharmacologist and has a very high-tech lab in his suburban family home. Like he's Victor Frankenstein doing top-secret experiments outside of the realm of oversight. And it's really funny because it, it, he's... Every time he... Okay, so sometimes he emerges from the lab with some newfangled antidote to the um, to dog allergies because he's allergic to dogs. So he'll inject himself with something, sniff the dog, and then something will happen to his body, like he'll get boils or something, or sneeze, and then he'll go back. And every time he goes back into the lab, he'll be like, proteins, covalent bonds. (laughs) Science. That's what I do. Like, when I'm, I'm a scientist, and I go into the department every day, and I enter a room, talk to people, and then when I leave, I'm like, covalent bonds. Photosynthesis. That's what science is. You just say words while entering and exiting rooms. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. It's really quite easy. People are always saying it's really hard to be a scientist and like, oh, you need to think really hard. It's, as long as you know words. Yeah. It's and you know fine. how to um, inject yourself with mystery liquid. Yeah. Sure, you might get some boils. Yeah. It's part and parcel of the job. Is this why he's got a secret home lab? Because he's doing unauthorized human trials for his uh, experimental pharmaceuticals. Maybe so. Jeff. Jeff. (laughs) That's not good, man. Respect the process, Jeff. This is what was making me worried. So he was working on this antidote, but he didn't seem to have a plan in place for trialing the medicine before unveiling it to the world. That is true. It didn't seem like he was working in a very secure environment. At one point he leaves the lab door open and his son kicks his football, soccer ball, <laughs> into the <laughs> into the lab and it knocks over all of the um, chemicals he's got lying around, very colourful rainbow chemicals. It's like a gay pride lab because it's all like laid out every color of a rainbow. Oh, to be the intern paid to just put food coloring in a bunch of test tubes for the afternoon. <laughs> and it's like rule one one oh one: don't leave your lab door open if it's a medical lab. Yeah. Don't have it in your own home where a, ch- where a child and a dog can enter. Mm-hmm. Nah. Nah. No. Jeff. Come on, Jeff. And yet he's still the most reliable character. That's true. There's also a mother. This movie would rather there be no women. (laughs) There's the mother. There's the nurse who looks after Mr. Tinkles. And there's um, Lady Dog. Yeah. The lady who's a tramp. Yes. That's it. Yeah. And there's so many characters. Yeah. There's like a dozen dogs at least. Who have voices. And the women dogs don't... No, the women characters don't serve much of a, a purpose. The nurse is there to humiliate the cat, Mr. Mm-hmm. Tinkles. Mm-hmm. The mother is there to say stuff like, Oh, Scotty, you can learn to love this dog. He's so cute. 
or Oh, Lou, you did a shit on the floor. Go outside for a bit. Or, oh, I'll talk to your father. Yeah. Th- those are her lines. Yeah. Um, and then the lady dog says stuff like, I remember when I had really great sex with Alec Baldwin dog. <laughs> God, it was hot, but he's emotionally damaged. <laughs> Am I telling a lie? You're not. <laughs> this movie is very, like, deeply confusing. Yeah. It's very hard to grab on to individual incidents in the plot, because it's all so wild. Yeah, I mean, there's incidents in the plot that seem like they should make more sense. For example, the mice, as a reward for conquering the world, are promised the entire continent of Australia. Why? It's not clear. The mice are really hyped about it. Is this something they've wanted? I think, okay, the mice confuse me, because the mice were brought in to the cat's makeshift HQ in big crates. And it was, like, enough to be an army of mice. And it was. It was an army of mice. But it seems to be a voluntary... Th- it seems to be voluntary military service. Mm-hmm. When the dogs save the day, the dogs are arresting all of the mice. The mice are walking towards, I guess, a dog police car. And the dog's are like, you have the right to remain silent. You are entitled to an attorney. As long as it's a dog attorney. Which doesn't seem just or fair. Yep. That's a messed up system But right also there. implies that the mice have chosen willingly to join the cat army. Yeah. The cats seem to have no designs to kill the mice. The one casually picks one out of the group and eats it. Yeah. But overall, the cats and mice, at least for now, have a tentative alliance. Against the dogs, which is bizarre, because... I don't think dogs tend to kill mice. No. What What's in this for them? Australia, I guess, but they'll get there and get eaten by a spider like the one we found in our flat last oh, week. Oh, God, yeah. I wouldn't want to serve the cat army if I won... I, I don't want to win an entire continent. People live on that. Yeah. I don't want to... I don't trust the mice here. No. I don't know what their game is. There's all sorts of political implications with the cat's... Dogs and mice here. It's sort of like weirdly rewritten history. They all seem to be really imperialist in like slightly different ways. Yeah. yeah. Why was the movie written to be that way? I don't know. Wouldn't it have been more fun if, if Mr. Tinkle just wanted to explode the moon with a <laughs> rocket? Because he was evil? He He's does. really evil. He's also self-consciously evil because he says they've got... um. They're kind of doing a weekend at Bernie's thing with the coma patient that owns Mr. Tinkles, and they've got him, like, set up in a motorized wheelchair that the cats are piloting to go through the factory and take it over. And he's saying things like, yes, it is I, Mr. Mason, your boss, and not an evil cat bent on world domination. Like, he knows he's the bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had a moment when you recognized a quote from your childhood. Oh, God, I did have a moment. Um, So they go into Mr. Mason's office, and then Mr. Tinkles takes, like, the, the intercom system for the factory and says into it, Hello, it is me, your boss, Mr. Mason. Something to that yeah. effect. Your human boss. Oh, your human boss, not an evil cat. Um, and I just am here to say that you're all fired. Go home now. Do not ask why. Um, and I had like a visceral reaction because I remember every, including myself, every idiot child at the age of six 
just repeatedly saying, go home now, do not ask why. (laughs) For a solid year of my life. And I didn't realize it was from this movie. Yeah. I couldn't have consciously pulled that quote out of my psyche before seeing it on screen. And it was just like a, a horrible, horrible flashback. It was quite funny, though. Well, some of Mr. Tinkle's lines are genuinely funny. Like, when yeah. he's um, he's got the, the family tied up and tries to shoot them. Okay, we're going to get back to that. Put a pin in that. But, uh, yeah. Put a pin in, he tries to shoot them, but he's got, like, a cork gun, and it, it sets off the sprinkler system, and it shorts out a wire, and then suddenly the room's on fire. Yeah, the room is fully set on fire. He goes to leave, and then is halfway out the door, and the hench person, Cap, is trying to follow him. And he turns around and he's like, you, stay behind. And the hench person cat is like, why? And he just says, because I hate you. And slams the door on him. <laughs> and that was That's very evil. It was very evil and very, very funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I feel like in this movie, I was just waiting for more Mr. Tinkle scenes. <laughs> and I was like, not happy with myself for this. Because he's very evil. He's horrible to look at, but he is very funny. I way preferred him to the dog's. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a dog UN scene. Just take me back to monologuing Mr. Tinkles, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about let's talk about the gun. I regret to inform you all that we're back on our bullshit. Yeah. We thought we'd get through a whole movie without talking about this. Um I wonder if we should go chronologically as to like what maybe set us off with this train of thought like very early in the movie Lou uh is out in the backyard of his new family and this is before the dog spies have contacted him and uh, a single red balloon with a like a milk bone tied to it floats down yes. from out of nowhere very slowly there are strings playing in the background very eerily <laughs> Um, and lands in the yard, and it, it's revealed that the, the bone was going to blow up and kill him. Yeah, this is this is when we were both like, <gasps> Pennywise. Yeah. Pennywise the dancing clown <laughs> from It. From It too. <laughs> if you're a first-time listener to, listener to Cursed or Blessed, welcome. Um, we're obsessed with the film It too. <laughs> And the 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 evil but weirdly charismatic villain Pennywise, the dancing clown, whose motif is a red balloon, often with the aim to lure a child yeah. into being eaten yeah. by him. So we were quite early on clued into the fact that Pennywise just may fully exist in this movie. He may be present in this universe, and we were waiting. Yeah. And then in this scene where the family is kidnapped, the cat is like, I'm done with you. I have no use for you anymore. Mr. Tinkles grabs fully a, a gun, like an elephant gun, but yeah. small, and he looks at it, and it's like a a toy. It's got a cork in the top, and it shoots corks. Yeah. And looks at it and goes, I told you to get a real gun to his hench cat. <laughs> And both of us were like, oh no. This reminds us of another character that we've discussed in this series. I'm, make, I'm sounding like Mr. Tinkle when I speak. <laughs> it's a very, very fun way to talk. And that's a cat and cat in the hat. Yeah, Mike Myers. Mike Myers, cat in the hat. Um, who, and, and he wa- 
watchers, listeners to that episode will know that we've determined that Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat is one of the many siblings of Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Yeah. Uh, a deeply evil eldritch spirit <laughs> set to torment children. Yeah, Cat Mike Myers is also an attempted murderer. When uh, he brandishes a, a knife and says, I'll kill you and I'll make it look like a bloody, bloody accident. accident. <laughs> uh, and, and this moment had that exact energy. And we just looked at each other. Our necks snapped around and we were like, oh no, it's the cat. He's back. <laughs> so we posit to you that Mr. Tinkles, the villain of Cats and Dogs, is in fact the cat in the hat without the hat. And is therefore part of the cursed or blurst it to cinematic universe. Cinematic universe, which sadly also includes Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah, exact same vibes. Exact same vibes. So I think he, he is the cat in the hat in disguise. Yeah. They're the same entity. And the fact that he was the best part of this movie. Scary. Is very, very, the implications of that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, and the humor in this movie, I wanted to talk about that. Incredibly early 2000s. Yes. There's fart jokes. Mm-hmm. There's sex jokes. Yeah. Alec Baldwin, dog, who is a dog, is shocked at something and says, son of my mother. Y- yeah. It is very early 2000s. It's, we've, we've figured out how to make adult jokes in a kid's film and not get censored, and so we're yeah. going to do it constantly. What did parents think having to accompany their children to this movie? Were any of them were like, were any of them like, ah, oh, this is charming, or were they like, kill me, kill me now? <laughs> I think now I'm an adult, I've realised there's an art to completely tuning out. If mm-hmm. I'm watching something or listening to something that I want no part of, mm-hmm. I can fully just transport myself mm-hmm. to just a different place in time. Yeah. Could I do that in a cinema for a whole movie while also being cognizant of the fact that my child is there and might run off? And join the circus and I never see them again. And then the police would be like, Elise, why is why did you not notice your child run out of the cinema and join the circus? I, I couldn't just say, Oh, I was astral projecting, I'm sorry. <laughs> They'd be like, Oh, that's not very good parenting. It's not very good parenting. Long story short, I don't have children and I don't think I'm equipped. Because <laughs> I astral project too much. <laughs> and this movie this podcast is really training me in the art of that, of zoning out. Yeah, it's true. I think we were in genuine danger a couple of times of just spacing. And not because it was boring. It was full of action, but I I did have a hard time grasping what was happening in my head. Like, the action is very chaotic, and then, like you mentioned earlier, the dog's movements are very jerky and strange, so they're kind of hard to keep track of. Yeah. It's, It's hard to hold in your head what's going on. I've got a question for you. Yes. About the animation, I suppose. Yeah. But just in general with the cats. Okay. Let's say that you're no longer allergic to cats. Okay. And you have to adopt a cat. Mm-hmm. You have three options. Right. One, Mr. Tinkles. Mm. Two, the cat in the hat. God. This is your pet. And three, let's say Buster for Jones, James Corden's cat from the Cats musical. Oh, God. Which cat do you adopt? Mr. Tinkles. Without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. That's the problem. It's the best cat we've seen. Yeah. I don't like that. Well, maybe not Skimbleshanks or Railway Cat. 
I would I would adopt Skimbleshanks, the railway cat, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'd prefer to have Taylor Swift, the cat. Yeah. Than Mr. It's just because you picked you picked Buster for Jones, and I yeah. gotta say no. But even because still... he's a posh cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so is Mr. Tinkles. Yeah, but he's like straight up about it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it still would be freaky to have, like, a human cat. Mr. Tinkles around. also is the type of cat that uh, Bond villains tend to have. So I feel like I could get good mileage out of that. Mm, yes. Like, slowly swiveling around in a chair while petting a long-haired white cat. Yeah. Is a very Bond villain move. That's the thing. If you have an evil cat, but you're also an evil person, and you're in cahoots with the cat, then there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. I'm not suggesting you're evil, Shannon. But Bond villain is a strong career choice for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be a great Bond villain. In this economy. In this economy. That's a way to go. (laughs) Okay, well. There's always a market for Bond villains. What would your Bond villain gimmick be? Um, well, obviously I'd have a cat. Mm -hmm. I'd like to do, like, elaborate Rube Goldberg style traps. Ooh, traps. Yeah. Where I'm just, like, sitting with my cat in a swivel chair, and I swivel around the chair, and it sets off a set of dominoes. (laughs) (laughs) And then that lights a match, and that lights a wick. (laughs) That's fun. It's fun, right? Yeah, it's It's a a fun gimmick. It's a fun fun villain. Like, moving all the way up to, like, giant crates falling. With a shark dangling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's sharks. There's crates. There's vats of acid. Massive vats of acid. There's one of those crushers in a, in a, a car lot. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a bunch of poisoned mice that have been promised the entire continent of Australia. <laughs> always. There's always a bunch of poisoned mice. There's spikes shooting out of a wall. There's a giant spider that you have full control over. Yep. Because it fears you. Because <laughs> I'm the lord of the spiders. Ah. Yeah, I think if you're going to be a Bond villain, you get yourself a big fluffy white cat and you go big or you go home. And I think that um, the studio that makes Bond films should hire me. Yeah, as Bond villain. Well, if you're if you're an employer and you've been listening to this uh, podcast, uh, the link will be put onto Shannon's CV. Yeah, which we can circulate to anyone you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, just reach out. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Just yeah, go for it. Yeah, it sounds like you're prepared. I'm prepared. I'm ready. Why I'm... waste yourself on admin? Exactly. I can be a Bond villain. Why waste yourself on this podcast? <laughs> There's no opportunity to set traps on air. No. I haven't set a trap in weeks. <laughs> Your skills are being wasted. Yeah. You're floundering. <laughs> what are we doing? You can just about? call me the pain maker. The pain maker! Ha! <laughs> 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 ah, Mr. Bond. <laughs> so glad you could join us. I would be um, an improv comedian. <laughs> Who does not make herself out to be a villain. Like, I'm not, like, villainous mm. in nature. Yeah. I'm just, like, an improv comedian. Right. And I befriend Bond. Yeah. Because I'm also a Bond lady in this. I'm, okay. like, yeah. sexy dresses. Yeah. And, like, he's eating out of the palm of my hand. Like, yeah. we're going to fancy balls, we're going to the casino, or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And I'm, like, Bond, you want to prove your love to me? Come with me to, to improv. And he's, like, anything for you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> my sexy wife because <laughs> I'm also married you've Bond. gotten married <laughs> got married he's just in love shotgun wedding but I'm actually evil okay and I take him to my improv troupe 
yeah. you're also secretly evil. Yeah. And we get him to come up on stage and we teach him all the, the main rules of improv. The main one being yes and. You don't say no to things. Yeah. So yes and, yes and, yes and. Mm-hmm. We just keep on getting him to, on stage, as a joke, because it's improv comedy, which is all about jokes, agree to certain things like access to the headquarters and weapons and all of this and that. Um, all the while said... drugging him because so he's more susceptible and because it's improv and there's rules of improv he said yes to all these things as a joke and that's can't legally binding it. it's legally binding all things have said you seen during the improv police improv comedy have you <laughs> seen them if you say no on stage you get instantly sniped I've seen it happen to someone it was their first time and they weren't happy with the way the scene was going, so they were like, oh, no man, I think you meant the alligator. <laughs> Dead on the spot. Dead. Terrifying. Yeah. Bond knows this, because I've explained the rules to him. Yeah. So he has to play along. To sudden death improv. Sudden death improv. <laughs> the whole thing is being streamed to, to, to MI whatever. Six. six. MI6. And, not MI5, yeah, MI6. And they just have to sit and watch the whole thing as their prize spy is yes anding his way to hell. <laughs> That's me. I love it. And I want you to know that we've just described the Riddler and the Joker, respectively. Oh, from Batman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Joker doesn't do improv. He doesn't not do improv. None of us not do improv. <laughs> We're always making life up as it goes along. <laughs> Oh, man. I don't want to be the Joker. <laughs> I think we've... Um, <laughs> I think both of us have proved we're not classy enough to be Bond villains. We've been downgraded is, to Batman villains. Is the Joker sophisticated enough to seduce and marry James Bond? Okay, you know what? You're Harley Quinn, who is a much more sophisticated version is of that Is she sophisticated style. enough she could to do seduce it. and marry James Bond? Yes, absolutely. She would be an improv comedian. I have total faith in her. Okay, she fine. could do it. I'm happy with that. Yeah. And neither of us would be Catwoman. <laughs> neither of us have been convinced by the movie Cats and Dogs <laughs> to be Catwoman. Which is what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, James Bond facing off against Batman villains <laughs> would be really funny. <laughs> really like sophisticated suave villains. (laughs) They might be a bit over the top, but they don't go like as all in as Batman villains slash what we were just describing out of our own heads. I think the James Bond movie where he just like winds up in Gotham and just gets like weirded out. Like he defeats him, but he's so weirded out that he just retires at the end. He's like, I don't know, man. I feel like someone's dicking around with me. Imagine the abject confusion of James Bond trying to solve a Riddler plot. (laughs) And I like the idea of this movie with James Bond facing off against Batman villains. Like, but it's completely in the tone of James Bond. Like, you still got Adele doing some Skyfall type shit in the background. It's... Everyone's beautiful. He keeps on going back to MI6 and like collecting new tools and talking to everyone. Yeah. And, you know, it's all very serious. And if there's humor, but like it's very subtle and nuanced, and there's still a lot of like boning that he does. But then at the end of the movie, the big climactic fight scene is in an abandoned toy factory, and he almost gets knocked down by giant dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> and the last scene, the last scene is like. <laughs> the last scene. <laughs> 
he's called into M's office, and M's like, James Bond, you've done very, very well, um, but it, we think it's time for you to team up with your new partner. And then Batman just walks into the room, and then there's like, <laughs> James Bond's just like, oh, fuck! And then he just cuts to let the sky fall. <laughs> This was a riot, but it was cursed. <laughs> I don't want to see it again. No. But I would look, search for particular clips. Yeah. Because it's just... I remember Mr. Tinkles, he gets me, man. He yeah. gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Why is this always the way with the villains? I Maybe we're just a pro-villain podcast. Is it just us? I think we... There, there's... We're the problem. <laughs> I think it's it's indicative of how much we're the problem that we had those Bond villain personas at the ready. I didn't have mine at the ready, ready. Shannon, do you know what mine was? What? Improvised. <laughs> Just that, made it up as I went along. That sort of dedication That's to my power. is what makes you a Batman. That's villain. my power, Batman. <laughs> I am never sitting now, Batman. <laughs> Yes, and we've stolen your butler. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. This podcast is making us evil. Batman, if you're listening, step into my trap. Batman, but this is your. This... Wait, no, I'm not wed to Batman. I'm not married to Batman. Yes, I am. Yes, you yes, are. Yes, I am now. You are. Yep, I'm sorry. I was. Oh, I almost got sniped. Yep. I almost got sniped. Hosted by my own petard. Yeah, I'm married to Batman. You're married, I'm married to, Batman. to anyone. Mm-hmm. If I say I am. Yep. And they have to say yes. Yes, I am. they get sniped. <laughs> I'd say I don't have any powers per se. I've just hired a bunch of snipers. <laughs> Yes, and our team up has been very lucrative. Because <laughs> I'm quick on the uptake with the improv rules. Oh. We're going to send Batman straight to hell. <laughs> That's the cursed or blurs guarantee. Oh, I still actually, I do quite love James Bond, actually. Like, I want to stay married to him. Oh yeah, you're married to James Bond, not Batman. I, uh-oh, I can see the lasers on me now. Oh God! Yes, I'm married to both. Yes, you are. I'm only truly in love with James Bond. With James Bond. <laughs> At first, it was a marriage of convenience because, of course, I wanted him for the secret weapons and all the access to the to the um, to the secret codes into MI6. Um, but actually, he's really good at sex. 
I'm sort of like trying to hack both the mindset of a Batman, a stupid Batman villain, <laughs> and like a James Bond side chick. <laughs> and doing both at the same time is because, like, on the Batman villain front, there's like too much going on. There's like lasers firing, like, in my brain, like, there's too many things I could do. Wild card. Yeah. And on the other side of my brain, it's like boobies and sex. <laughs> That's all I all I am. I can point a gun and shoot it, but not as successfully as the men. So it's like hard to get this persona right. But mm-hmm. by Jove, I'm gonna pull it off. You're nailing it. Yeah. So yeah, well, this was a cursed movie. Yeah. Cats and dogs don't watch it. Cats and dogs is cursed. But watch our uh, James Bond Batman mashup. Yeah. Coming to cinemas in the year 2048. Sure. Yes. Uh, if you, um, <laughs> if you like this content. Uh, find us by searching Cursed or Blurst podcast on the internet. Basically, anywhere you want to get podcasts now, apart from SoundCloud, because fuck them. <laughs> and, uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, Cursed or Blurst. We have a merry old time on the internet. Yep, we do. There's lots of good memes. Yep. Um, we are taking a little break next week. I will be in Russia. Mm-hmm. They let me get a visa for Russia. Because they listened to our Anastasia episode and they were like, this is so good, Elise can come. Yeah. So that's nice. We're going to sleep and yeah. hopefully just... I still have half a beer to go. I don't know if I should put it in a fridge or just like drink to forget. <laughs> drink to forget. Uh, when we're back, we'll be doing another double feature. Yes, we are. Do you want to describe that real quick? Uh, we're going to be watching Jumanji. Uh, Jumanji. We're going to watch... Yeah. There's, there's several... Of them because there's sequels and remakes, etc. But we're going to be watching the original Jumanji with Robin Williams, and then we're going to be watching the fairly recent remake with The Rock. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited for it. Me too. Uh, it's going to be a romp. The Rock, if you're listening, uh, you're very welcome as a guest star. Of course, The Rock's listening. Yeah. He's yeah. taking notes on our uh, Bond Batman thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to be part of this. He can be Bond if he wants. Yeah. This is great, because I get to be his wife. Exactly. Or he could be Batman, which is great, because I get to be his wife. (laughs) Friend of the podcast, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, And if he's busy, we can always have Niall Horan in One Direction, because he's also doing the podcast. Yeah. The Rock could play both Bond and Batman. Oh my god. (gasps) And they can be brothers. Yes. (laughs) Separated at birth. And one was shipped to London. And one was shipped to Gotham. And Bond gets a call from his secret brother to come help him with the crime. (laughs) There's just too much crime going on in this city. And only you have the skills to help me out. Yeah. Come on, man. We can have a whale of a time. Listen, The Rock, the part's all yours if you want it. Come on, join me in the improv theater. Yeah. All right, folks. We'll see you next week. What's new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs>